Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. morning. We, uh, today, by the way, I had a couple of people asking me about my shirt because I'm wearing a law enforcement shirt. This past week uh, has been National Law Enforcement Officer Week. Uh, some of the officers that come here had actually gone to Washington, D.C. for the uh, national ceremony uh, that they have. They may be back by now. I'm not sure. Uh, but I want to encourage you when you see a law enforcement officer, maybe if you bump into one of the restaurant today or whatever, uh, let them know you appreciate what they do. Uh, I know in the news and everything like that, the way things have been betrayed and, and put out over the last little while, you think uh, there's something wrong with every law enforcement officer in America. But I guarantee you, if you take them out of the mix, we would have nothing but utter chaos uh, on our streets, and we need to be uh, appreciative for what they do. There's an officer down Memorial Ride uh, today starting the Sheriff's Department at 2 o'clock, and that's why I'm dressed like this because I have to go from here to there uh, and they do that uh, every year in uh, honor and as a fundraiser for the families uh, who regrettably have have had a a law enforcement officer to be killed uh, on that. So uh, you remember that as we we ride uh, today. Uh, We're still in this series on hope, uh, seven stories of hope that we've been talking about. Uh, I hope you've been sharing these stories of hope with others. That's the intent of us studying in the small groups and also me focusing on them on Sunday morning uh, to give you um, detail. You, you can't go into the detail I do when you try and share a story with someone just out in the community when you bump into them. But if you've got the full background, you can tell it as a story to them uh, to gain their attention and, and try and get to the point to share the gospel with them. Why do we want to share hope with people? Well, because... There are a ton of people uh, in our world today that are living hopeless lives. Um, A lot of them primarily because they've tried to find hope in all the wrong places. So since they've tried to find hope in all the wrong places, that leads them to discouragement and to defeat in their lives. And they feel like they're hopeless because time and time and time and time again, they've been let down by uh, whatever resource they've tried to depend upon in their lives uh, to gain uh, hope. What I want to talk about today is simply this. Where can we find real hope? Real hope. I mean, the most basic thing, I think, especially for us as believers, that will give us hope is the hope of the cross. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how we can find hope in the cross of of Jesus. I'm going to jump right into it because there's kind of a lot we need to deal with later on in the message. Uh, I'm going to walk through, as you can see, the verses that we have before us, Luke chapter uh, 22, verse 66, to uh, uh, chapter 23, verse 43. Some of you right now had a heart attack because you think that means we'll be here till supper time. Uh, but it does not because I'm not going to read all those verses. I'm going to walk through uh, some of them instead. In As we work toward talking about the hope of the cross, I-, I wanted us to fully cover the background that leads up to the cross. So we're going to talk about the pathway to the hope of the cross to start with, the pathway to the hope of the cross. And like I said, I'll not read all these verses. You've got the text there. You've got it in your Bible. Uh, You can try and kind of follow along, read along as I talk through it. Uh, You can go home and read it in detail and and study what's there about this pathway uh, to the cross. But as we think about hope, 
and since the, the hope of the cross is what we're focusing on, there's a pathway that gets us there. We can trace the steps of Jesus along this pathway that includes his, his arrest and uh, his ultimate crucifixion and his, uh, and, and his burial and, of course, his resurrection. First of all, as we follow along this pathway, we find out this, that the pathway toward the hope of the cross it involved Jesus coming before religious leaders. It involved him facing religious leaders. Uh, the Bible said there, but from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Jesus is answering a question to these religious leaders. They grab him. They don't like him. He's been stealing all the limelight uh, that they used to have. Now the crowds are looking to Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. They're following him, and it's got the religious crowd upset. They've tried and tried and tried to find an occasion against him. So ultimately, they, they arrest him. They bring him in, uh, plot in to try and have his death take place. And they begin to question Jesus as he's there in front of the religious people. Now, now think about that for a moment. The people that should have recognized who he was. The, the people that should have welcomed him and instead set in judgment with hatred in their hearts toward him. So they ask him, are you really the son of God? Now, if you read all the texts there, Jesus did not respond to them just straightforward because Jesus knew their hearts and he knew they wouldn't believe anyway because of their mindset that they already had in their hearts. But what Jesus said was the verse that I read a second ago. He said, from now on, the son of man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And then they ask him again, like, will you just straightforward tell us? And he looked at them and he said, you say that I am. But Bible scholars, even though it seemed like Jesus didn't give a direct answer, in a way he did give a direct answer because when he referred to himself as the son of man, that is a claim to deity. And when Jesus said, you say that I am, Bible scholars also say that's still like one of the I am phrases where God told Moses that people ask who I am, say I am that I am, sent you. And all through the New Testament, especially in John's gospel, you'll find all kinds of I am statements by Jesus. So in both of these instances, Bible scholars are saying that Jesus is claiming to be deity to the affirmative. So he did tell them that's who he was. They get upset about it. They couldn't really do anything about it because the Roman government was in charge. The religious leaders didn't have the authority or their power to put him to death. So what they decide to do is do this. They take him in the steps toward hope of the cross also involve facing government officials, government officials. They take him and they bring him before two government officials. To start with, they bring him before Pilate. Pilate was the governor for the Roman Empire, so he represented the Roman ruling authority. Pilate questions him, looks at him, interrogates him, and, and Pilate says, I can't find any reason why he's guilty of anything, especially not to put him to death. So Pilate does this. Pilate decides to kindly shift him off to somebody else to where maybe he wouldn't have to deal with it after he found out Jesus was a Galilean. So he sends him to see Herod, which by the way, there are several Herods in the New Testament. This is Herod Antipas. He, he's the grandson of Herod the Great. And he sends him to see Herod, who was like the ruler of a certain section there in, in Palestine. Herod's kind of tickled to see him. The reason he's tickled to see him, and he'd been longing to see him, that he hoped Jesus would perform some sign. 
some miracle. He really didn't want to know who he was, wasn't interested in that part of it. But for the novelty of it, for the entertainment of it, Herod had been wanting to see Jesus. But he also interrogates him, and even though he has him abused and dressed like a mock king, he sends him back to Pilate, saying, I cannot find any fault in him. Pilate once again then is saddled with this responsibility and all the religious crowd is there saying, we want him dead. We want him to be, to be crucified. But Pilate comes out and he tells them again, I, I don't find any reason to do that. I don't find any guilt in him. I, I'll have him beaten and turned loose. But that didn't make them happy because they wanted to see him crucified and they continue to scream out saying, crucify him, crucify him. So this pathway to the hope of the cross involved facing these hateful religious leaders and involved facing government officials. So it's like the religious world is trying to condemn him to death and the government world is trying to condemn him to death. An interesting note there, by the way, in that story, it said that Herod and Pilate had kind of been in enmity with each other. They were kind of like enemies until this day that Pilate sent Jesus over to Herod, where Herod could hopefully see him perform some type of miracle. And maybe Pilate was also recognizing Herod by sending him there. Isn't it strange? You ever heard the phrase before that politics makes strange bedfellows? (laughs) Kind of what's going on here, you know? The steps toward the hope of the cross also involved injustice. Injustice. The first part of the injustice is simply this. He was found innocent, but yet he was punished. You know, in our court system today, what if someone at the end of the trial is found innocent, and then they say, well, the judge, but I'm going to execute you anyway. But that's like what happened to Jesus. He was proclaimed innocent by both Herod and by both Pilate. And yet, even though that he's found no guilt, he's going to be punished. The injustice also involves this. The injustice that Jesus faced involved Jesus being traded for a murderer. As we continue going through the story of the steps toward the hope of the cross. He was exchanged for a murderer, but they all cried out, away with this man and release to us Barabbas. He was someone that had been arrested. He had tried to lead an insurrection against the Roman Empire. He was guilty of murder. He was a man who had been thrown into prison for that insurrection, started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? Next slide. I found no guilt in him, no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demands should be granted. And he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked but he delivered Jesus over to their will. Barabbas' name, by the way, means son of Abba, which means son of daddy. Get the picture of this. You, you have this 
person that had committed murder, who led an insurrection against the government. He's there in jail, and the religious crowd says, we want him, release him, free him to us, and instead you take Jesus, who you said is innocent, and you crucify him, and that's the deal that happened. That's what Pilate went along with. Other stories in the New Testament, other passages show him washing his hands like he's trying to cleanse himself of it. But, you know, you can wash your hands all you want to. You're not getting away from that one. The thing about Barabbas that I want you to understand is this. It sounds like it's awfully tragic that Jesus was exchanged for a murderer. But to be honest with you, Barabbas gives us a picture of you and I and every human being that has ever lived. Because as far as God's concerned, we're all murderers. As far as God's concerned, you and I have led an insurrection against his holiness. And the Bible tells us if we break the law in any one part of it, it's the same as we're guilty of all of the law. So if you've ever told a lie, as far as God's concerned, it's like you're a murderer. You you and I are pictured in what takes place here. Jesus died in this man's place. Jesus died in the place of Rabbis, and he also died in our place, thank God. An exchange took place. Steps toward the uh, hope of the cross, though also involved this, involved God's eternal plan and purpose. Acts chapter 2 and verse 23 tells us this. This Jesus... On the day of Pentecost, and Peter's preaching a message to this same religious crowd, by the way. Some of them standing there listening. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Notice what he said there. He said, this Jesus delivered up according to the plan and the foreknowledge of God. Do you get that? In other words, those religious leaders that thought they had something to do with having Jesus killed and crucified, it wasn't really them that was in control. The the Roman government that by their legal power and authority in, in that moment turned him over to be crucified and had the crucifixion take place, they might have thought, look, we have done this to Jesus. But according to the Bible, that's not the case. According to the Bible, they were not in authority either. They were not in charge. To be honest with you, the religious leaders and the government officials were nothing more than pawns in God's passion play because God had foreordained that Jesus would come and die on the cross. It was God's eternal plan always that he would come and die on the cross. So it wasn't those groups that had Jesus crucified. It was God the Father that had his own son crucified on the cross so that through him we could have hope it was part of god's eternal and everlasting plan so it's in this plan of god that we see the the hope of the cross not only the pathway that leads toward this hope of the cross let's talk some about the promises the promises of the hope of the cross and i will read more of the verses here First of all, there's promised hope in fulfilled prophecies. And if you will wrap your mind around this today and wrap your faith around this today, it can give you great faith. It can give you confidence in what you say you believe about Jesus. 
Because what happened at the cross had been prophesied hundreds of years before it ever took place. And it happened with great detail. Exactly how God said that it would take place. It had been foretold, pre-planned by God, as we talked about a moment ago. I'm going to walk through some Old Testament scriptures just to give you a picture of it, and then we'll see it in the New Testament in a moment. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with a many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with transgressors. He died, yes, between two thieves, but he's also numbered with our transgressions. Yet he bore the sin of many, and he makes intercession for the transgressors. Jesus on the cross, praying for them, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Psalm chapter 22, verse 6 and 8. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. And they're saying this, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. The exact thing that happened at the cross, David wrote about hundreds of years before it ever took place. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing, they cast lots. Next slide. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Psalm 31, into your hand I commit my spirit. You've redeemed me, O Lord faithful God. Psalm 69 verse 21, they gave me poison for food. In my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. Once again, hundreds of years before the Roman empire had ever even devised crucifixion as a means of execution, the Bible tells us exactly what's going to take place to Jesus in detail. That's just a sampling of some of the verses. I could have looked up more, and we could talk for quite a while about it. It talks about him telling all of his bones, his bones showing through his body with great detail, hundreds of years before a crucifixion ever, ever even took place for anybody. It was foretold exactly how Jesus would die and foretold exactly the scene and things that would happen and things that would be said around the cross. We're talking about hope in this series. My goodness, that ought to give you hope. That the story of Jesus is true. That what Jesus did for us on the cross is valid. And we can bank on it. We can trust in it. We can bank our eternity upon what the Bible tells us about Jesus. You see, that's something that you can tell to somebody else in the story of hope. And help convince someone else that Jesus is exactly who he, who he said he was. There's great hope. There's wonderful hope in the cross of Jesus. Got upset last night. I, I look too much sometimes at things online and I'll read some of these stories and somebody had posted a link on Facebook to a story about an atheist group that's wanting to undo Jesus. They have a website entitled undojesus.org and they had a picture of a bunch of atheists in the photograph and one was holding a sign that says, when he comes back, kill him again. I got news for you. That will never, ever happen again. 
The crucifixion scene that we just read about will never, ever occur again. When he comes back, he comes back as king of kings and lord of lords. He comes back to tread out the winepress of the wrath of an almighty God. When he comes back, he comes back to take charge and be in authority. So I didn't have any better sense than to copy that whole passage of Revelation and post it to him. Just to let you know, here's the agenda when Jesus comes back. So you and I ought to have great hope today in the cross because of the promised hope that we see fulfilled in those prophecies. But we also ought to have great hope in the cross because there's promised hope in future paradise. In a future paradise. We read on in our text. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He prayed for the transgressors. You remember that a moment ago? And they cast lots, dividing his garments. Remember that a moment ago? The Bible said that would happen. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, and he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. Do you remember me reading that a moment ago in the Old Testament? The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine. I think we read about that a moment ago also, and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there's an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. But these two criminals on either sides, in the midst of their suffering, are also taking in what's being said. And one of the criminals who hanged railed at him, they just joined in with the rest of the crowd saying this, Are you not the Christ, save yourself and us? He wasn't giving a sincere prayer or request. He was mocking him like the rest of the crowd just had mocked him. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, in other words, hey, we're here because we deserve to be here. If you remember earlier, Jesus was without guilt. For we're receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, this one thief, this one criminal looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. I want us to break that passage down just for a moment in this crucifixion scene. We have three men dying on three crosses. And I want you to see if you can find yourself, identify yourself with these three men. The first man dying on the cross is Jesus Christ. He's dying for the sin of mankind. Let me go ahead and let you know up front, you can mark that off because you can't say that you identify with him because we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? We are not virgin born as Jesus was, where he could be the perfect sacrifice, God becoming flesh. So you can mark that off. We cannot be that man, although by faith we can identify with him. 
one man, the thief who rails against him, is a man that died in his sin. Jesus is dying for sin, but this man dies in his sin because even though he has the opportunity and he's right there beside the deity of all the universe, the same one that spoke creation into existence, the one who's shedding God's blood on the cross, as he is there right beside Jesus, instead of having an opportunity that he should seize upon to trust in him and ask for forgiveness in the midst of all that's taking place to him. Instead, he is dying in his sin. And by the way, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are that man. You are identified with that man. You are that lady. Because if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you are in the process of dying in your sins. But one man died to his sin. The the thief that called out to Jesus. The thief that was soaking in some things that was taking place there. He called out to Jesus and this thief by faith asked Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. And you, if you have received Christ as your Savior, you are that type of person. You are that type of man or that type of woman if you have received Christ as your Savior because by faith you've trusted in Jesus and by faith you have a promised paradise. And if you have not trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, you can still yet identify with him because you still have breath in your lungs and a heart that's beating and the opportunity and the chance to say yes to Jesus before it's eternally too late. This man died to his sin by admitting that he was a sinner. He said, look, we're getting what we deserve And the same thing needs to take place for you if you've never, ever trusted Christ as your Savior. You admit that you're a sinner. You admit that you can't save yourself. And you place faith in Jesus Christ as this man does on the cross. And Jesus promised him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. One thief dies lost, separated from the love and the presence of Jesus Christ forever. One thief, even though he's guilty, also places faith in Jesus and is promised to be in the presence of Jesus forever. So which person do you identify with this morning? You see, because it's the cross of Jesus Christ that offers great hope, that's the whole theme of what we're talking about this morning. It's through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. That's the basis for our hope. That's the most foundational thing for you and I as Christians to have hope in. Not what our government might do, not what you may face this week or not face this week, not if you've got a million dollars in the bank, whatever it might be. The main basis for you to have hope as a child of God is this. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Paul writes this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2. For there's one God who's holy, who people have to stand before in judgment. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You know what a mediator is? A mediator is a go-between. A mediator is someone that argues your case. It's kind of like your lawyer who gave himself as a ransom for who? A ransom for all. So if you've never placed faith in Jesus Christ, 
The Bible says Jesus still died for you. You don't need to be like this thief that died in his sin when you can be like the thief that died to his sin by placing faith in Jesus. Because he's the one that's our mediator. One thief believes in a saved and the other one dies without a mediator and is lost for all eternity. And please understand this, that the hope of the cross... The hope of the cross is based in the work of Jesus Christ totally, totally. Plus nothing, minus nothing. The hope of the cross is based in faith of what Jesus did on the cross totally. It is not based on human works. The thief that believed in Jesus, the thief that Jesus himself promised you'll be with me today in paradise. Tell me what he could do Except trust in Jesus. See, he's a picture of the only way we can come to Christ. That thief could not come down off the cross after believing in Jesus and do like some people believe. Well, yeah, you have to believe in Jesus, but you have to also obey the law. He was nailed to a cross. He couldn't come down and obey anything. Well, yeah, but you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to be baptized in order to be saved. This man, once again, was nailed to the cross. He was never baptized. He could not come down to be baptized. Now, unless you're nailed to the cross, that does away with your excuse, okay? If you've trusted in Christ and never been baptized, he told you to. It's a step of obedience. Your only out is if you're nailed to a cross. We'll give you two options. You can come be baptized or we'll nail you to a cross. Which one you want? This man that was nailed to the cross, Jesus promises he'll be with him in paradise, could not do one thing except exercise faith in Jesus. And Jesus himself, by what he said to the man, says, that's it, that's enough. And I know I read this a lot of times, but guys, it's a really important verse in the Bible, and that's why I read it so much in the sermons that I that I preach here because Paul later wrote this to the church at Ephesus. And he said, for by grace, not something that you earn or you deserve, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not works, not baptism, not anything else except God's amazing grace through faith that you've exercised in Jesus. And he even said, this isn't your own doing. You don't even have the ability to muster up the faith yourself. God gives that to you so you can have the faith you need to trust in Jesus. And it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. The only one that can boast is Jesus. And Jesus is the only one that we ought to boast about. Because it's through him and his cross that you and I can find real hope. So this morning, aren't you thankful for the hope of the cross? Aren't you thankful for all the evidence that we have from the past in the New Testament, how prophecies fulfilled and how Jesus died exactly like God said he would through people that he inspired of old, to write down exactly what would happen to the Messiah, to his son, when he comes. 
I hope you can be thankful today for the hope of the cross. I hope you can be thankful for the cross. I hope you know that Christ is your Savior. I hope this morning you know that you have identified with a thief that believed in Jesus and was promised paradise. I hope you're not still like the thief who's rejecting Jesus and scoffing at everything because if you stay there, you'll die lost. And I encourage you, if you've never trusted in Jesus, you need to exercise faith in him. And oh, by the way, don't wait for a deathbed confession. You may not get that. You may not have the chance that these thieves had nailed to the cross to trust in Jesus. Your life could be gone without any opportunity whatsoever for you to say yes to Jesus Christ. The time to say yes to Jesus is a moment that you're convicted of your sin and you're convicted of what the Bible tells us is right about Jesus and you're going to believe in Jesus and what he paid on the cross for your sins plus nothing, minus nothing, total faith in Jesus and understand that's what God requires. So if you've never done that, I invite you in just a moment as we start to sing that you'll place yourself in the identity of that thief who believes. This day and time is not politically correct to refer to people as sinners and tell you that you're going to go to hell for all eternity if you don't receive Christ as your Savior or to refer to you as a thief or refer to you as a murderer. But I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm trying to be biblically correct. And I'm telling you the truth of what the Bible says, and that's what matters, not what is the conventional wisdom of the day that we live in. And I'm simply telling you your only hope is Jesus Christ. And without Jesus Christ, you're like a thief and a murderer who's dying without any hope whatsoever. So as we have this time of invitation here in just a moment, if you know Christ as your Savior, you know what this is a time for? It's a time for you to celebrate if you know Christ as your Savior. Celebrate the hope that you have in Jesus. Celebrate the hope of the cross. But if you don't know Christ as your Savior, it's time for you to do business with God and admit to him that you are, in fact, a sinner and trust in him, the one that all this stuff was foretold about before it ever happened. It was providential, I think, that Jesus died between these two thieves because it gave both of them equal access to God through Jesus. And right now, it's also providential for you because everyone here has the opportunity to have equal access to God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that you will Search hearts in such a way that everyone here will be honest before you. That each person here will evaluate their lives. Will honestly see who they identify with. A thief on a cross that is dying in his sin, lost forever. Or a thief on a cross who by faith in Jesus Christ is forgiven and promised eternity in the presence of Jesus. Father, I pray, I beg, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know Christ as Savior, you give them the faith right now they need to exercise that simple faith that the thief did on the cross and to look to you and to believe in you, 
to believe in your finished work on the cross, that you've paid for our sins. And Father, help them to exercise that faith so they too can have a promise of paradise. We thank you for the hope that you give us in your word. We thank you for the hope you give us in the cross. Help us as we walk this week to be reminded of the great hope we have of the cross. Help us as we walk throughout the days of our life to to be reminded of the great hope we have because of all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, especially those that were fulfilled around the cross of Calvary. And thank you that we've got all the evidence in the world that Jesus did exactly what he said he would do because he took his life back up on the third day. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.